What's up, everybody? We're here. It's time. We vibrant. I'm here with my buddies. I got Gabe and Kyle, two of my favorite folks. And I know we're going to hear from George any minute now. Haven't, uh, haven't seen him pop into the stream yet, but uh, he's got kids. He's got it all. <laughs> you know, just moved into a new house. So no big deal if he pops in a little later. We'll just hang out. I've got a lot of fun things to catch everybody up on. But first, Welcome everyone to the stream. Our bonus panelist Kyle and our main partner in crime, Gabe. What's up, guys? Yo, what's up, Chance? Great to be here, man. What a blessing and an honor to be invited to the panel. Uh, the community here is so great. Every once a week, at least, I get to see somebody coming through my mail order list using the Interverse coupon code and sending out all kinds of medicine to. Uh, my friends now too. So it's, it's awesome to be here. Thanks so much for the invite, man. You know, it's going to be me putting in an order any second now. <laughs> if I, I, I booked a whole bunch of tuning sessions over the weekend. And so I'm going to spend all that on herbs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm like, I'm jonesing for Kapow. Like, give me that Kapow. <laughs> been out for a while. Yeah, we're going to talk about ritual tonight. And it's going to be kind of an improv, impromptu talk, but I knew Kyle would be great for that because he's just a wise guy. Why I wanted you to join us? Well, honestly, I've wanted to have you in the panel as a regular, but we've had you regularly with the Herb Show, but there's so much other wisdom that I know that you can bring to the table. And when we get George in here and there's music aspects, you guys are both musicians. That'll be fun. And I started the show with a, a personal favorite ritual of mine, which is attuning my voice with the big G, big G tuning fork. Hope you guys all could uh, get a contact high off that. And I've also got still like afterglow lightning from the Bertaria National Festival. So that's something I'd love to talk about a bit. I even see... Chelsea in the chat. What's up, Chelsea? So Chelsea was our best friend. Me and Jen hung out with Chelsea and her crew for pretty much the whole weekend. You know, somebody I knew from the Telegram chats, but oh my gosh, her vibe in person. She's like, she's like 10 excited people packed into a tiny little female. <laughs> And it was, you know, honestly, there's like a surreal element to hanging out with her where I, I couldn't really give any of my bit. Like she knew all my bits because like she listens to the show. She's internalized all the information. She studied and followed up on stuff that we talk about. So I'd start to go into one of my, you know, well-traveled routines of some kind of philosophy or gravy. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I heard you say that with this person. I heard you say that. And I'm like, I got nothing for you. <laughs> you've got it all so that was just really cool chelsea is really fun to meet you and there were a lot of other wonderful people at the festival i do think that more people ought to make it out next year even if honestly it might seem like <laughs> it might seem like it's all about owen benjamin i personally love owen it's okay if you don't like him nobody has to like everybody but the event is not all about him he did stand up and he did a talk on the, on the last day. And then also at the end of the last day, 
the large donors to the campgrounds threw tomatoes at his face. <laughs> he was in the stocks. Anyone that donated over $10,000, which is a very, very generous donation, but they were buying a ton of land for the community to use, got to throw 33 tomatoes at his head. <laughs> <laughs> unbridled tomato throwing, whipping them full force. It was really something. His standup was great. And I personally love him. The event though is way beyond just him. I hung out with Gardner a lot. Topher actually gave a biochar demonstration showing people how to make it. Uh, ox or what is it? <laughs> the proper way to like, you know, remove, like not have oxygen in the equation when you're making this charcoal. And so he, he also did a talk at, at the big tent one day. So he had two attractions for Topher gravy. Can't beat that. His talk was all about carbon and, for, oh yeah, pyrolyzed carbon. That's what you call it whenever it's got the oxygen component removed. That was cool. Cause last year he did a talk on five and five and this year he did a talk on six and carbon. So I guess next year we'll probably get seven. His talk was great. There were some other excellent, excellent, talks. Mr. Permi Bear was one I really loved. Adam, he's somebody we're going to get on a stream soon. He He's like a highly hilarious, enthusiastic seed and soil guru. He's got a seed company. That would be a fun one to have maybe Matt Powers join us for. That's kind of what I'm thinking right now. But yeah, even if you don't care for the big bear, it's a community where we come together and you can talk about anything and you don't have to hold back like the shape of the earth or not wanting to get a cowpoke or whatever, you know? And what's great is because we're also <laughs> beyond the conspiracy land, you know, we're, we're into the final boss conspiracy, which is everything's going to be okay. And nobody can do anything to you. If you take full responsibility for your life and become independent of systems, that's the last level of conspiracy, right? The, everything's going to be okay. Just take care of yourself and your family. So Mostly we're all just talking about, you know, <clears throat> life and, and gardening and homesteading. And well, I mean, there's plenty of gravy chats, but I do, do want to encourage people to come out that are interested in finding community. It's in my neck of the woods, which is cool. So you're guaranteed to meet me there. Uh, another thing I wanted to show that I really was really stoked about. Awesome. <laughs> George is trying to get the, uh, the kids sleeping. No big deal. He'll, he'll join, he'll join in soon, but check this out guys. Uh, actually wait, I'm going to wait and show this when George is here because it, it has to do with Greek. So never mind. but you know, consider yourself teased. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other things to say about the festival, it was clean. Like nobody drunk, nobody on drugs, nobody littering the whole, like the <laughs> Mr. Permi bear told me today that the cleanup crew found more items for the lost and found than they found trash, which I've, that's unheard of for a big gathering of people unheard of. And the irony of what was going on in Nevada, <laughs> the hell of burning man <laughs> while we're like creating heaven over here in Missouri, that was not lost on us. We were like, <laughs> and also the name of Missouri is what they're going through in Nevada. And you're in paradise in Missouri. <laughs> I will, I will not stand for anyone pronouncing it misery. I don't, it is, it's totally legendary. It's so amazing think, out here. I think calling it misery is dressing it up as a Baphomet to protect it. You know, 
That's how they get like we like we think they might have protected cacao and coffee. <laughs> Lily says, and stolen bikes were returned. Never forget. <laughs> Yeah, Owen has a long running grudge uh, or a joke, I should say, about his bike being stolen in 1991 by a certain type of person that is likely to steal bikes. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ethnicity. <laughs> and uh, and then somebody that represented that tribe brought him a new BMX bike this weekend. So after all those years, thank you, Boulder Bear, for that. That was amazing. So funny. So many funny things. Lots of laughs. Lots of love. Met tons of people and uh, met people that I'd seen before for the first time. We missed you out there, Kyle, but I know that you were, you know, doing your responsibility thing and there's always going to be more events. We're talking about uh, the community is talking about, like, how do we do this twice a year, (laughs) three times a year? So the opportunities are going to be multiplying, I'm sure. But we definitely missed you out there, buddy. And you too, Gabe. That was it was a year ago that I that we met. It was at the at the Bertaria Fest, the first one. And I, I have some great relationships. Like I met some people for the first time there that I still stay in touch with and talk to very, very frequently. James from Family Fungi and his family. Uh, a lot of love for that, you know, all of those people. So exactly. It's to me it was all about the community and the people and a lot of the, the Owen stuff was just the the catalyst to get everybody there but then everyone's got their own lives to talk about but yeah it was it was a bummer i had to bail at the last minute and um but i'm not i'm not really bummed i mean i was bummed because there was a i was intellectualizing it too much but really in my body you were talking about this on your on your program last sunday about being in touch with the signals from your body and that's exactly what i was going through there was something in my body that every time i was packing and getting ready to go make the trip i was going to i was going to go solo by the way and every time I, would, I was getting ready to go, there's just something in me. It was just kind of gnawing. And when I would just entertain the thought, what if I just stayed home and took care of some stuff and just stay with my family for this week? Boom. And I don't know the greater picture or, or why. Maybe there's some angels talking to me. But anyway, I trusted that. And I felt like I followed my, um, my, my, my body. And I, I feel like literally we have a better your relationship. Gut. Yeah, we have a better relationship. Whoa, what's up, George? Oh, guys. I am so sorry about that. Oh, hey, you're, brother. you're just in time, buddy. All right. But Kyle, what, what you're saying, Kyle, Kyle was just giving us a nice little demonstration of how listening to your body works and how awesome it is that you can do that and overcome like the old feel old feelings that might've come up in that situation of FOMO essentially, and know that goodness is wherever you are. <laughs> and if your body is giving you the cues of like, there, you know, who knows what reason there might be, but oftentimes when you go against the cues, something happens that is not, you know, to your benefit. So you, you did the right thing. Your family, I'm sure, was glad to have you. It's not like it's easy for <laughs> a mom to be just her with the baby. And so you did the right thing, man. And we'll we'll definitely catch you at the next one. But George is here. I wanted to show you something, George, yes. now that you're here. Please do. So the, our friend Charlay also uh, was at the festival. She just super chatted five bucks. Thank you for that. She says, great to see you there. It was awesome to meet you, her and her family. But she brought me this really cool little Greek Bible. Whoa. It's a miniature New Testament. It's, it's just the Gospels, right? right? 
But okay, so first of all, I'm going to make myself big so you guys can see it. But check out the front of it. That's Jesus, but the cross is an anchor. Oh, bro. Yeah, it's like confirmation of a lot of the stuff we talk about in regards to the holy sailors. This Bible, the the date that's in it is 1840, I think. Dude, that's the Tacitus bloodline seal. It's uh that's the Cygnus constellation. Really? And it's yeah, all man. in it's all in ancient Greek. Yeah, man. Cygnus is Cygnus is right next to Dolphinus. And often the the I'm gonna find this guy's research. There's a whole guy uh, who he's really into Ayn Rand. Uh, strangely enough, and his book is um, Manufacturing Christ. I think. Oh, he's he's next level. I'm gonna James something. I'm gonna find him and I'll I'll uh, I'll come back. I'll circle back because that that logo on that Bible is legit roots stuff man that's hardcore it goes to the maccabees and some of the original original bloodlines of whatever the 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 provenance of biblical history whatever that means to whoever hears it on the back of it you got mary and the child and they're standing on what looks like maybe the bottom of an anchor or crescent moon but yeah, it's all in ancient Greek, probably not the alphabet that was being used in Greece at that time in the 1840s. So it'd be a good way to brush up on my ability to read Greek. It's interesting just to see the way they spell the names of the the gospel saints, you know, right? It's, cool. James, it's James Valiant. That's his name. James Valiant has done a lot of research on the on what that anchor means specifically in biblical context. <laughs> Don't be a FOMO mofo. That's a good one, Lily. That's a good anagram. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much, Charlotte, for that. That's a really cool gift. Super unique. Never could have, you know, there's no other way I could have ever got that. <laughs> it's awesome. Wow. And, so George, how have you been? Last time we talked to you, you had only just recently moved, I'm pretty sure. So you've right. been settling in. Uh, your, your podcast is getting back into gear. And I've checked out some of your recent stuff, enjoyed it a lot. So how's it going over there in Kentucky? Kentucky is absolutely wonderful. It's better than I could have hoped for. And at the same time, it's it's what I expected. We moved here uh, on a blind run, so to speak, and it has been giving back to us so much. It's been really wonderful, honestly. We've been very happy with it and keep finding little spots all over the place, hiding behind, you know, some spot that we saw a million times. And then you turn right and there's this whole other area. There's all these wonderful, you know, natural springs and all this other stuff. It, it's really great. Rumpel, Rumpel on, Rumpel on the Hill, old chap says, in Maori culture, the Southern Cross is an anchor. That's pretty cool. George, I also got to say, it's really lovely to hear the sounds of life is that's your daughter. We can hear it, right? You're hearing my, my little guy, Dexton. He's, oh, that's a I got to watch him until like maybe nine on the dot. So he won't be it for long, but he's here. Oh, he's here. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. Look, look at him. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, what a cutie. It's, look daddy. it's daddy. It's daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> yeah. See, I love that because it's what we want to model to people, the, what it looks like, healthy children, happy families, good dad, you know, right, good, right. good mom. That's the most important thing. So 
good, good on you, man. We're happy to hear his his happy little voice. That's yeah, wonderful, man. You know, it is past bedtime, but he's just it just ain't happened. You know, the reason he's in this room is the only negative thing that has happened so far. And even though it was negative, you can always turn these things around, right? There was this crazy hailstorm that lasted less than ten minutes, and it was it was spinning in a way that it was shooting hail straight into our house. It wasn't just falling on us, you know. We were hearing it knocking all over the house. It blasted through windows and it messed up the siding and everything. And then water came in. So we lost the whole floor too, right? So the whole floor of their bedroom is out. They've been sleeping in our bedroom all this time for like the past two months. It's been over two months now that it hasn't been you know, repaired. So it's been kind of creeping into our, our lives in a certain way. I don't think he's sleeping his best. And now he's, you know, he's just wild right now. But um. It was feeling the vibe. Yeah, he's, he's, he's vibrant, vibe, man. He's, he's, he knew, he knew he would be asleep at this time any other night. Right. Of course. What a crazy freak storm. And kind of, you know, I can already see the silver lining in the sense of like, it's your new house. It's kicking you guys into gear and impetus to make improvements that maybe you would have waited a while to do before. And now it's like right. going to make it exactly how you like it. It's going to be great. It's true. And and the other thing is that there is now suddenly this date of like, as soon as this is settled, everything goes, you know, full gear from this moment. Right. That I think that's going to be a big part of the timing of it all. But the other thing that may be worth discussing in a vibrant kind of way is that every single person that's grown up here their entire lives has never seen this happen ever over here not even once and then it was dark and stormy for two weeks straight afterwards another thing they said they've never seen before there's no mosquitoes here and no one's ever seen that before either so there's some weird stuff going on with the weather here and we didn't know because we've never you know we didn't live here but it's not what they showed in the brochure man you know what i'm saying so yeah. it's, it's very indicative of late of what's going on lately with everyone noticing that you know weather's pretty crazy and um, it's not and it's not climate change. You know, I'm wondering about the weather situation over the weekend. Like th- there was major good, true and beautiful stuff happening in Missouri. Right. Like, I don't know that, a, that an event like that has ever happened. <laughs> you know, it might be right. <laughs> people were saying we we broke the gravy wall, like the ice wall. <laughs> so I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder this just totally high octane speculation that I've heard bears talking about, but what if the uh, other festivals that had such crazy things happen where the dark weather wizards were trying to steal the search engine real estate on the words festival to just, you know, cover up anything coming up about a, a good thing, you know, a beautiful festival that could just be like kind of an egotistical assumption. And then I gave, I'm going to let you go, but I had to, I had to also remember while I'm talking about the festival, one other thing I met Andre, Andre Mitty of the Ascension of the Chessmen podcast. Great dude. It was really awesome to meet him in person. And he gave me this shirt. I got to show it off. Oh, that is sick, man. Yeah, pretty stoked on that. Really kind gift. So I had to had to shout out Andre of Ascension of the Chessmen. We'll have to collab with him soon too. That's a great name, uh, Andre. Strength, manliness, pride, courage, boldness, valor. It's a fucking great name. All synonymous. Oh, it's a, oh, I see the shirt. It's basically the word for husband in Greek. Nice, mate. Yeah, all right. Andre, Andres. 
right? Is that, is that right, George? Yeah, that sounds right, Andres. Yorgo. Yorgo. I'm a Yorgo. You can be Jorge, you can be George, right. or the Greek version, Yorgo. My right. favorite is Yorgo. <laughs> and my, name, my last name could be Inside or Table, and that's been a nickname for me too, Inside Table. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Colombian and Greek, you know? That's interesting about the about the mosquitoes. Like I've been talking about it here, and uh, I happen to know they sprayed uh, mm. last year. They had this, uh, and they called it uh, like City Council Plan E E E Triple E. Really, at, at a time when there was other things on the international stage that were like E E E, and then for me also that's. Um, it's also got it's a reversed three three three, which of course is King Charles the Third. It's uh, Xi Jinping. It's got a million EEs on the international stage. So the spraying of the mosquitoes, strangely enough, had a micro macro echo going on. And now I'm talking to my neighbors, and I'm like, "You guys seeing any mosquitoes?" And they're like, "I didn't notice, but I'm seeing it none at all." And it's like this this strange stark uh, absence of a nuisance. And that just kind of, and that kind of hits a chord for me because I'm really on to Socrates as the gadfly, and so the uh, diminishing of one musical tone from our from our annual circadian rhythm is maybe amplifying another circadian rhythm that we're hearing. A different gadfly is taking the stage in place of the mosquito, and that is the uh, the cicadas. I'm getting beautiful cicada music this year. Uh, in very magical times, I went to gra- uh, I visited Grandpa's grave, and the cicadas were in perfect harmony. It was so magical. And then, uh, sure enough, uh, uh, on the way home, I found a cicada shell. I go to my uh, special magical bridge where I where I commune, and there's a cicada on my magical spot, just sitting there waiting for me. You know. Uh, so I've been having a very fun relationship with the replacement of one gadfly for another. Uh, I just wanted to observe that, that that's happened in here as well. It was really low mosquito at Veritaria. And interestingly, the Triops dinosaur shrimp showed up at Burning Man, which it's been a while since we talked about that. But I just had to mention that we shared that in the Telegram group. I might pull up a picture. Kyle, what you got? Well, I just want to first introduce myself to to George. Hey, buddy, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I'm, hey, man, I'm, I'm still, you know, I feel like I know you because I I listen to a lot of your podcasts and I listen to a lot of your interviews with the, with the crew. So it's nice to finally just chat with you, man. And and uh, I've been looking forward to it. So it was a great invitation tonight for me. But I was thinking, too. as you were as you were mentioning about the cicadas, I, I'm having the same kind of experience here too with in in Upper Midwest with the mosquitoes i used to be in a band called the cicadas back in the day and it was just like a singer songwriter group with like a one floor tom you know percussion uh tambourine just like folky uh folky stuff um but the thing that i'm noticing and i know that we're going to get into some like ritualistic uh aspects in in the episode later so i'm not going to jump the gun too much but um I have a one and a half year old son too, so he's he's a he's a real big uh, ball of fun, just running around and stuff like that. Really one big. The, <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> one of the things that he's into lately is just constantly mimicking sounds, and he does it in a way that's 
that's making me realize that I'm also going to mimic these sounds. And so it actually presents background noise that, that is norm, normally just like in the background of my subconscious. Right. Hmm. And, or not, not on my subconscious, but in the background. And that's, it's like being processed or, or, or something. And I'm, I'm uh, thinking about other things, but now it brings it to the, to the forefront. And I live in the city. So there's city sounds, there's cars, there's UPS trucks, there's cicadas, there's all, there's the sounds of the birds and he's mimicking every single one. And so now when I also repeat them with him and the same tone, he's, he's doing it in the same tone. So zzz, he'll go. Zzz. And when we mimic it, now, all of a sudden, what was behind that in my consciousness is now at that level where that where the cicadas were before. And so it almost brings forward other things available to be observed, like the meaning that are in those sounds, the, the, the symbolism of uh, the time of the day or uh, the hustle and the bustle. Why, <laughs> you know, thinking about the 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 breaks that are being slammed a couple of blocks away or something like that, you know, just putting more and more perspective into a bigger picture just by doing this little thing, which is constantly mimicking all of the sounds. And then, and then when I leave for my, for work in the day, I kind of bring that forward later into my, into my regular work life too. And so when I'm running the blender, I just go, along with the blender because that's what he does too and it's fun and so by doing that i don't know it's just uh like you said tuning your voice before the show now i'm also practicing that tuning my voice it's i'm giving my thyroid a little bit of feedback about my outer reality so it doesn't have to uh it doesn't have to interpret these things through all of the 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 feedback channels of my body and it just really opens up a lot of pathways of for other senses to come forward and i think it's awesome I think that the mimicry aspect is is powerful in uh, tuning the voice. I mean, that's how I started the show was mimicking the sound of this fork. I was doing it the whole three minutes during the intro music because my voice was feeling a little wobbly. I put on put some calamus root in the mouth and chewed on that. That's a tip that I got from Kyle. I'm, I'm, you gave me a huge bag of that. I'm almost, I'm down very to cool little dregs. And uh, it makes it reminds me that at the fest, one of the fun interactions I had with Owen was he was about to go on and give a talk. And the day before he was losing his voice because uh, the the goodness was too good. (laughs) I think it was causing him to get a little jammed up. And so I I, uh, he's a giant man. And I was like, you need a giant tuning fork. Just point this at your throat and and try to harmonize your voice with it. (laughs) <laughs> he talked yeah. about it on his stream yesterday. He's like, yeah, yeah I, I used the chance of giant tuning fork. That sounds extremely homosexual, but it's actually super not. It was super cool. <laughs> so you gave him the doctor feel good treatment, just like JFK used to get before he would go on stage, but you did it with the tuning fork instead. Yeah, no placenta meth. No placenta meth to the neck. And, and no, like, Pfizer steroid shots to the throat like the current Kennedy probably does. Totally, totally. And isn't that interesting that we know that those shots went in the neck, and now there's a Kennedy with a, who's going to be the Vox, the Vox in Rama. Oh, I don't yeah. think he can't talk, though, so I don't think we're, we're like, going to see that. It's like we're going to overdose on irony if he gets it. We're just going to be just drenched in irony until we just don't have a sense of irony ever again. 
Wow. We have we have someone wanted to know what is placenta meth. Uh, this is one of those things everyone needs to know about. So, Gabe, can you just uh, yep, yep. So, We're talking about rituals. You know, this is a type of ritual. This was a ritual that was done back in the day, back in the sixties. It's somewhere. It's not far from me right now. The book, uh, Doctor Feelgood, uh, is the name of the book about Maxwell Jacobson. Was a experimental doctor. Uh, uh, from Germany who sold a very uh, experimental form of methamphetamines. It's based, it's sorcery. It's based on, on um, animal biology, but one of his, uh, the grossest, grossest of ingredients was uh, placenta was included in his form of methamphetamine, which came to be called like the recipe that we know about is called uh, pervitin. And that was the prototype of, Ritalin, Adderall, all the meth that they gave to all the kids as they're bringing us into uh, the Prussian mind control system. But I just want to. We don't, we don't know for the record. We don't know if there is or isn't placenta in these modern meths given to kids. Dude, I'm, I'm of the opposite mentality. I think, I think we would be foolish to think they're not. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I mean, it came out years ago that they were putting aborted fetus parts in Pepsi Cola and a whole host of other products. Yeah. The, what goes into the medical waste baggie and is thrown out is actually sold to pharmaceutical companies every yeah. time. Yeah. And I, I want to also, I want to, if we're going to talk about it, I want to bring the sacred into the conversation because what we learn is all this defiled, gross, sensational, hard to forget, kind of traumatizing insight of its use. But there is a sacred place for this, you know, and that's what, that's what staring the abyss in the face will get you. You'll, you'll be able to penetrate to a level to see that there is such thing as a sacred communion with the placenta. And it's only between mama and baby. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's totally private. It's totally private. And I don't even listen to me to tell you what to do with it. But it definitely doesn't go to anybody but mama and baby. And so while we are or, or buried on the land that belongs to the family or something, but not to the vultures, definitely not to the vultures. Definitely not. Externalization of the of the self. You know, that's what that leads to. Uh, it is. Yeah. It, like that, that entire thing is basically the symbolic gesture, the first ritual of someone's life of signing away their existence to the state. <laughs> it's, it's wild how, how powerful that is. I, I'm really interested to see what becomes of the children that are coming up in this community whose placenta was honored as the divine twin and the guardian spiritually and physically that it is. Like Kyle's uh, amazing little guy, Davide. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. And and you know what else? I I don't know uh, what happened to mine, but I get to rekindle that relationship with mine through the work that I that I do with him. And that's the beautiful thing about being a parent and um, and just learn learning all of these practices once again to heal. What, uh, you know, what I couldn't heal back in time and what my parents couldn't do offer for me either. And it's not like they they intentionally tried to sell stuff to the pharmacy, but we just learn and we know better now. We came in pretty, uh, pretty early on the placenta lottery. The people in the chat that have a a running bet, you know, who can come closest without going over? When are they going to say the P word? (laughs) 
Because <laughs> lately it's been taking an hour, hour and a half, but it always comes out. Always. Yeah, so powerful to stay fully intact from the beginning. Yeah, dude. And then, you know, it, it's always worth reminding people, this is a bit of a ritual for me, that even though most of us out there did have that, you know, the cut made, the forcible separation, not allow the umbilicus to do its full job and fall off naturally and the dishonoring and even desecration of that, that twin, that other part, that holy guardian angel, that doesn't condemn us to any kind of cursed existence. But I, I personally think that once you can recognize the trauma that was done to that being and know that that other you, because it's you, your DNA is a cop. It's 100% a, like a twin. <laughs> it's a, your full DNA. It's like your Gemini aspect. Yeah. When you recognize that it can be traumatized just like you can as a living being and that that can persist at, in a spiritual essence after its physical form dies, you know, treat it like, now you know you have a tr you're on track to know where what the state of your personal guardian angel is. That entity, that spirit, can be the devil on your shoulder or the angel on your shoulder. And anyway, I think this is maybe more of a ceremony, but you could do it ritualistically. You could do it as a regular honoring, totally. But some kind of acknowledgement, offering, healing that goes out to that being. That it's got your 100% same DNA. Think of it as like your twin that just didn't make it past day one of life. <sighs> that That is super powerful. It affects your life in ways you can't quantify. But in my, my personal belief and my personal experience is that when I made that connection, when I offered the healing and the acknowledgement to that aspect of self, to the placenta spirit, the guardian angel, my intuition, my, the voice, you know, on my shoulder, all of that massively improved. Like I've, I actually attribute that as part of why I was able to develop tuning as a practice so effectively, like that I have help like that, that that's a, an aspect of the help. So yeah, 100%. 100% happy to be here. <laughs> so you guys out there that are regulars, you know, I'll repeat exactly what I just said again, but there's new people that need to hear that. Cause it's like one of the most important things that we ever talk about. Yeah, man. And it's the, it's the master cipher. It is absolutely the master cipher. It helps to understand other people better. It helps to understand what the whole biblical thing is all about. It is the PC all thing many 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 things pc are filters your prefrontal cortex politically correct the pisces capiche it becomes a bit of a filter for your lens on things uh and then also to reinforce what chance is saying you know uh it also strangely enough has a lot to do with um the difference between your sidereal and tropical you know, there's a bet between sidereal and tropical, there's like a back drag towards the month before. Like if you were tropical minded and you look to sidereal, it takes you back almost a sign, almost. Well, if you go back one sign, you're landing elementally on nine months before you were born. So I'm I'm a fire sign. But if I lean into my water and cancer where we're uh, in my sidereal. 
sure enough, that's when I was conceived, was in a water sign. So I call that the Gananga gap, the Gananga gap factor. And it's like a, a, a 270 degree uh, circle, like a, the shape of a C with a 90 degree wedge missing out of it. And I can roll it around the Zodiac and you can determine when somebody's placenta was, uh, was conceived. Uh, so yeah, all of that really helps my lens to understand the heavens better as well. Yeah. And Topher is really into the conception or fertilization astrology guys. I think it's a good time to start getting into our subject matter and you know, however long we stay on it is fine. Tangents are fine. There's no rules, but I'd like to offer some mic time to George to help us with the topic that he actually offered generously whenever I asked him if he wanted to come on tonight. And I've been thinking about it a lot and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this with this crew. Wonderful, man. Wonderful. You know, I want to also extend the acknowledgement, um, you know, that, that came my way from, from Kyle, because I think you're awesome too, my man. And this is great that we get to share the moment now. I'm sure there'll be plenty more where this came from and I look forward to it very much. I've been scoping your products. I think you're doing some great work. It's really awesome. So I was thinking about the hardest thing for me and what I've done in my recent stuff is that I set myself up to do several episodes that were about, you know, and this is almost in quotes music, you know, music, the all encompassing idea of it, the idea of what frequency does to us, the idea of how we've took it in in our generation, particularly in the West and uh, how different it is from what we know of what it was. And the hardest part for me was to find a, some kind of ending just to this little mini series. I didn't even know it was, was a mini series, I guess, until it ended, you know, but I had to find some kind of breaking point, some kind of stopping point for now. And where I ended up was the idea of ritual and how, how easy it is to trick an entire populace into rituals that, well, first of all, are not good for you. And second of all, are just completely unnatural in so many different ways. And I was thinking about, you know, breakfast, coffee, uh, tobacco, all these kinds of things, right? Um, weed, and of course, music, and the idea of how music is performed, how it's understood, how it's taught, and how often we take it in. Because one of the things I've always focused on on this show so far, at least, is how often we are watching things that really aren't very good for us. I think you're going to... <laughs> Your mic got unplugged there, buddy. Sorry. It was a... <laughs> felt like I was at a rock show. <laughs> Feedback. I'll let you sort, sort out that little buddy. <laughs> this is life, man. We're, we're watching real life. Yeah, there I'm I'm very I'm going to have you finish. But what you're saying there about rituals that have been imposed on us, that's super fascinating. How? <laughs> yeah, bass boosted. He's a bass player. Slapped a bass. But how, you know, the Edward Bernaysian thing came into the picture, the ritual of the the ritual of exactly what is considered breakfast food now would not have necessarily been considered breakfast food in the past. And, or even the idea that you need like three, three meals a day, things like that. And 
All right, George, I think you're all good. Am I back? Oh, I'm, dude, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> my uh, my babysitting time's almost up. I'm sorry, everyone. I would <laughs> normally not have to, but it's just been so weird here with the our house arrangement has been a little out of whack. I, I truly do apologize, and I appreciate okay, you man. working with me here. So, I guess what I was thinking about the most is okay. Obviously, I am now beginning to really start to see, and I guess I always was, but especially lately, after all these decades of teaching, after all this time thinking about how music works. For example, you said the E was missing with the mosquitoes, right? And I had mentioned how we are, we're used to hearing or we're used to playing, especially at first on a guitar or even on a piano. If you learn certain kinds of rock music, you learn a power chord, which is a, a triad missing its third. And if we treat the typical key of C major, which is really just, it's the primordial C of music in, in, in general, really. Its third is E. And I feel like the E is missing. And we get this soulless sort of not really contextual harmony. And that's a great example. I just wanted to make that point that you had made earlier. It, it actually makes a lot of sense for E to be missing in a lot of what we do. But I was, what I was getting at before is that movie is now a humongous ritual for us, television anything digital, just picking up your phone to do something quickly for a moment, just because you can't put it down. All these rituals, we've been tricked into them almost. And they benefit whoever needs us in slave mode all the time greatly. So I was wondering how, how is music falling into this? And I was thinking about a story somebody told me how they were miserable. They were going to commit suicide. They didn't. This was high school. Maybe they weren't taken seriously, but you have to take that seriously. And they kept listening to the same track over and over again as they were, you know, contemplating doing it. And it wasn't because of the sound of the music. It wasn't because it was metal or punk or classical or reggae. It had nothing to do with any of that stuff. It was the lyrics. It was the words that, was in, that were in the music, right? And another point that I've been trying to make lately is that it's the way we use equal temperament, how the octave is split perfectly evenly, which would never happen in nature. The way that we're, you know, most music we hear is in 440. I don't think 440, 432 is the final key or answer to anything, but it's usually 440. And we're taking all this stuff in. There's so many covers nowadays. There's so many redos of songs or re-listening or reimaginings of them that the key of the song, and if I'm going to theory, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack. The key of the song, the sound of the notes, the, the instruments being used are almost completely inconsequential. Everyone is really just checking out the story and the lyrics. And a lot of that leads to it's okay to be addicted to music but i've noticed that a lot of older people are into the stuff i was into 30 years ago and not that that's good or bad but there is an adolescent mindset that comes with the slave life and i think that it's very easy for you to stay where you were as a youth if you sit in this ritual of music if you always listen to the same 10 tracks on the radio on your way to work and on your way back from work you know, the soundtrack of your life is very, very small and it never changes. And suddenly you're completely unable to listen to an entire classical symphony, unless, of course, it's a movie soundtrack or anything like that. You know, I remember how often I was told that you grew up in the, the very best generation of music of all time. You know, like 60s, 70s rock was prominently listened to in my household in the 80s and the 90s. Like you grew up in the very best time. And then 10 years later, I see that there was all this other crazy music going on at that time that I never heard of. Because everyone was stuck on the same 10 rock songs the whole time. It doesn't mean any of that stuff is bad, but it's following rules that are fighting the immutable laws of nature. 
and we've been tricked into taking them in just as much as movies and and television. If you're driving, you can't watch a movie, but you can listen to this, you know, this heavily produced track by track recorded. It's it's already void of any soul right there. Somebody's got an agenda behind it. The person who's singing the lyrics didn't write the lyrics. We're just tricked, just like the episode title I had, we're tricked into ritual. And I think that music is very unfortunately a humongous part of it. And where we have to find a way to kind of almost almost reduce what's there and simplify it. I, I don't know how else to describe it without getting without taking up more mic time, but we're things were simpler and music was used in a certain way to represent something. The ritual of music was used to represent a time of year or marriage, or you had a drum beat that you walk with yourself to school in Africa. It could be a weed smoking ritual, who knows? But they were used at specific times. They weren't abused and overused constantly over and over again. And and again, I think that's a big part of it because the storytelling aspect that has brought us all in with the 24 hour news cycle and everything is right here in the music too. And it's slapping us in the face constantly. And I don't mean slapping the bass. I mean, slapping us right in the face. Yeah, and buddy. I think, I think it's a really big factor in what's going on. And nowadays, even a small little 10 second TikTok video has got to have music on it. And there's even subtitles in the language that you're listening to as if you can't li- take it in and then you get focused on the words. So even if music is beautiful, it's, it's being truncated by the mute, by the words and they're taking over our mental space to actually imagine what the music is trying to be in the first place. Right. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. (laughs) Exactly. So there are thousands, maybe millions of people that are like, he's saving us with the music. He's fighting the deep state. But at the meantime, they're repeating ritualistically the lyrics that start with, I've been selling my soul. How many times have they heard that on repeat? How many times have they sung along to it? It's it's super dark. Like, (laughs) hopefully I'm not, you know, hopefully I'm not triggering anybody. But even that song, Richmond, North of Richmond, ritual, rich is in the word. You know, rich twice is in the word. Twice, yeah. And and man, rich man, man. uh, north rich man, it's brother on brother. Richmond is the 37 degree parallel of Mason-Dixon line, uh, which is the grand central station of my whole territory's map. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Do Do you notice how that song doesn't have a hook? It's just one hook. So it just like keeps hooking so it can it's right. like an earworm in that way because it doesn't have a resolving chorus that you're that like if it's in your head that you can like go to and then depart from. It's constantly every line is kind of the hook over and over and over again. So it's that that's one of the things that I noticed about this song. Buddy, you said the earworm. You said the earworm. That's Heidegger. Heidegger has a magical hut in the in the Black Forest of Southern Germany where who knows what was going on there. Uh, but that's the same ambiance of that uh, of that uh, production that they put on with the Tifereth tree fort hiding over his shoulder. Dude, that was so Kabbalistically mumbo jumboed out. I can't I can't. I learned a lot. I want to hate on the guy. But on the same on another side, I'm like, dude. I learned a shit ton from decoding what the spell was with all that. I learned a lot. So the obvious point is that 
you know, the chord progression is the Tavistock chord progression. Kyle, what you're saying, the whole song is the hook. That chord progression is the catchy hooky thing that get, it's the earworm. Right. <laughs> Owen Benjamin has a bit about this where he, he plays like four different pop songs that you would think are different songs. And they're the exact same chord progression as also this Richmond North of Richmond song. It's like oh. one that's like a, eh, 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 the Timbaland song or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. you, know, you guys would have to look it up, but the, that you would be blown away how much this exact chord progression in the exact, almost the same tempo and everything is repeated ad nauseum in music that they want to become popular, go viral, get stuck in people's head. It's a very specific chord progression. I'm guessing that Yorgo noticed that about this particular song too. I'm sure that didn't get past him. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, no, no. Uh, I've, you and I have rapped on this before, Chance. I'll just bring it to the table now. But the closing of ritual, you know, the closing of ritual is so, is so important. It's so beautiful. It's so personal to each their own on this. But, you know, a lot of I, I could bring a lot of examples of practices that get a lot of animosity and vilified. But on another hand, I admire the fact that, like, you know, the lesser banishing ritual is a means of cleansing yourself psychically. You know, I admire the fact that some religious people once a year, they go to their God and say, hey, I might have to lie again next year. Let's let that go and move forward. So each person should maybe incorporate that in their own way. You know, the lesser banishing ritual you can learn a lot from, you know, and also you get associated with your north, south, east, west, and that gives you a reckoning. You get a recrowning. You get reoriented to where you are. You come back to center. You know, in a lot of Christians get their panties in wad with when I say banishing ritual, whatever, get over it, <laughs> tie your panties in a cord and make it a little string and tie it around your wrist and you'll be safe. <laughs> so I want to talk. Oh, go ahead. Someone else got something. No, well said. I think there is one thing to add to this, actually, because and it only only by chance that I just do like 20, you know, six episodes about this. And um, it's in my mind. But I was suggesting that. The, cult, the result of something like this is that culture leads to a point where everyone wants to read the last page in the book. They don't even want to deal with the, the idea of reading a whole book. They don't want that challenge. Everyone's watching a game being played on YouTube. They won't even play the video game anymore. They just want to see the end, you know, and there's something called antecedent and consequent phrasing, which is like an A and a B. And it's like a call and response, let's say, musically speaking, right? And it's all consequent now. There's no antecedent. And that's exactly what you said, Kyle. It's perfect. It's exactly this song is, it seems like we got to this point. It, they were, they were ready for this guy. He's perfect. I see the same picture of him every time. I never saw any other picture of him. It's always that one picture. It's a, it's a great marketing scheme. You know, it's a great marketing scheme. They nailed it. There's, nailed e it there's even rumors that he's the same like Tavistock actor, lifetime actor that played the, guy who killed Osama bin Laden. I haven't looked into that. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm claiming that I just heard someone say that maybe people can chase down that lead and find something in it, but there are lifetime actors that will play these roles. He was recently <laughs> just in the news. He was recently just reintroduced really? into the news because this, this person that claimed to kill Osama bin Laden or pull the trigger that put it or whatever, and being picked up for, I don't know, something by the cops or whatever, but it made the news and it made the, you know, uh, 
headlines over and over again. Not, not that I search out headlines. They just find a way to find you, I guess, but that's the, that's the, um, the idea of them, you know, giving you, <laughs> giving you the full story or whatever. So I thought, I think that's really interesting that that guy just come, came right back into the public consciousness. Yeah, so I don't think, I don't think it's the same guy. I'm looking at it now. Right. <laughs> He's talking my ass without looking it up, but there is something to it. Like there is some weird echo happening here between yeah. these two yeah. characters. Yes, we could, we could, okay, we could healthily within the realm of, uh, of the mundane, acceptable uh, colloquialisms, we can say that we are, we are seeing an echo of the spirit. This is an echo of the spirit of the man who claims to have killed Osama bin Laden. And that's sufficient. That's sufficient. At this day and age, after so many generations of theatrical consumption, it is sufficient for there to be a guy who looks like him and, uh, maybe has a similar, all the similarities, uh, becomes, I, you know, I'm thinking of it as cross pollination. You know, you see that guy and then you see this guy and whether you realize it or not, your pattern recognition on some level is going to, is going to get the message. And I love what you said about how the music is not being like reconciled. How did you say that again, George? Say that again. The, the, the mu- it's like an unanswered question. There's no call. Maybe, maybe Kyle said not resolved, which I would agree. It doesn't really have any. There's nothing to resolve. It's all resolution. It's all consequence. No antecedent. That's it. That's it. This reminds me of how the medical industrial complex works. How it's all, how uh, they're only able to like take things apart and sell them in ultra compartmentalized uh, hyper secular mentality of separateness and then it's all upon us to make connections you know and does that sound right musically does that correspond i think so yeah it's like they're giving you it's as if they're selling you the last four pages of a book and everyone's like oh wow you know i really i really enjoyed that it was really great (laughs) you know what i mean yeah buddy that's so well put something important about ritual that i wanted to bring up and it's interesting how this actually applies to, you know, the guy who killed Osama bin Laden, allegedly, and the Oliver Anthony scammer is how there's. OK, so NLP, neuro linguistic programming, has this aspect to it called anchoring and anchoring is where a certain, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to anchor a scent can and it happens naturally. So there's something that may have been anchored. I couldn't tell you what that something is. Maybe we can sleuth it out, but something that is connecting us with this idea of like a uh, redheaded guy slaying the tyrant or fighting for our freedom. You know, I don't know exactly where the anchor is or why it's there, but it's interesting because so NLP anchors in, in, in reference to ritual, how you might even use this is say there's a say that you're really in the flow state. You've done, you know, you've done what you need to do. Your practices, you're working on your art, your creative thing where you're having a really good time. You have some kind of ritual that gets you into the flow state, maybe. And that flow state is invo- like you doing your craft, you doing what you love after you get yourself warmed up and you're in it. And then maybe you would come up with a particular gesture or something that you do. That's not like that's abnormal. That wouldn't be something you just did um, commonly for no other reason. 
like <laughs> maybe you tap the back of your left shoulder with your right hand. Just as an example, you can make up anything. And the idea is if you repeat this anchoring behavior, or maybe you get a certain scent, you could get a, a, a strange essential oil roll-on scent that you wouldn't normally smell out in the world from Kyle at Typical New Herbs. And when you're, whenever you want to anchor yourself to a certain feeling or a certain state, you uncork that essential oil roll-on, rub, rub it on your wrists, smell it, and you start to make this association with a gesture or with a scent or with some, something else with the state you want to be in. Maybe it's the state of, I just meditated for 30 minutes and I'm feeling really Zen, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and so you as ritualistically start to Pavlonian condition yourself to this anchor with the state you want. And the idea is eventually you'd be able to uh, jumpstart yourself into that state, cut out the normal procedure that you'd need to do to get warmed up and into it through whatever your anchor is. And I think these anchors are being applied all the time by mass media. Like, I think this is one of the major components of MK Ultra as it was extrapolated into the mass public electronic digital media sphere, you know, taken out of the laboratory and one-on-one -on -one hallucinogen injections to poor test subjects and applied to the commercial market, if you will. I think this anchoring thing is a big part of it. We see it with certain colors, the neon toxic electric green that is associated with certain stories related to plagues and viruses and whatnot. Ebola, we saw there's, there's a record of that. We can go back and see that. So that, I think that's a good subject to maybe wax on gentlemen, the, uh, the anchoring aspect of ritual for both good and ill. I got a good one. This is something that I learned from one of my teachers who is a Taurus. So the Taurians are all about the love of food and the, the bringing in the love of food into their ritual. And my teacher uh, said that uh, after you eat a meal, sing because it takes away, it dispels the anger from your liver that other might, otherwise might be congesting the movement of bile. And basically, you're just humming to your insides over and over and over again. And so by doing it, you don't have, and I don't have a song. I don't have a song. I just, it's just like a free form, free style based off the ingredients, based off the night. Oh, I'm just, ooh, that pizza was so good. That felt so good to eat. My mouth's a little burned, but it's going to heal good. Yeah. And you're just expressing your joy, you know, what something like that. So there's the antecedent, which is the, the food. There's the, the consequent, which is the resolution, the, the, the joyful laughter. And then, of course, you know, like you, you go for a walk or something like that, too. But really, singing or humming after a meal. And uh, for what it's worth, they didn't. They didn't, uh, they, they threw Osama bin Laden off of a boat, just like you would throw an anchor. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, just, wow. I'll just leave that there. But if you're looking for one. <laughs> Whoa. And, and, and it stands out because everybody knows that's like the opposite of what they should have been doing. You know, it, it like it's sticks a damn out. Like, shame. It's, yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb. That's fascinating. And also, uh, let's not forget what's on the cover of that Bible you had there, Chance. Was the anchor? 
Oh yeah, we started out with Anchor. There was a cool chat from the Rockfin side from Willow Design that says Hebrews 619 mentions hope from God is the anchor of the soul for God does not lie. That's pretty cool. I dig that. Yeah, man. And not to mention the Ankh, yes, Micmac, always making the connections. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, the Ankh is part of that, too. Ankh and Anchor, I think there's a connection between those words. I I feel good about that. And even, like, Encore is like, give us more, do it again, come back, let's repeat. Encore, you know, uh, you're asking, uh, you're almost pleading for more. That is an interesting one. That's a good one. Which is kind of, uh, an anchor causes a boat to do a circle. So it's almost like circle back Pazaki, who is totally Pisces, circle back Pazaki. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it becomes a center point. Now that's interesting. In Italian, the hips are anche. There's their center point. The and, anche. Now, I may have missed one little thing somewhere. Did, Did you say that this man was the sniper? No, they just went around. It went around like, you know, truther land that he yeah. was the same actor as who was the guy who supposedly shot Osama. So I surprisingly didn't uh, hear about that. So I'm going to check into that for sure. <laughs> well, they don't look the same, but who knows? People can wear masks. People can have facial surgery. Right, let's not forget he had the tree fort behind him implying a sniper. And also the white man in the tower is one of the oldest anchors for the black population there is. Mm. The Texas shooter, Texas is the fucking tower card, y'all. The Texas shooter, uh, all the things about like War of the Worlds, when they had like the, those long stilt walkers zapping human beings and it was Mercury Radio putting the broadcast, the biggest hoax of all fucking time. And now go look next in JPL off of Cape Canaveral. What's next to the, the big missile that shoots the false money into the sky? There's a big water tower and it used to have JPL written on it, but they change it up all the time. So the white power domination, white superiority, water tower shooter from above, laser beams from the heaven is the oldest trope ever. And it goes back to way before uh, people even thought about the tarot. That's what's fascinating. People weren't thinking about the tarot back then, but it has the consistency of the tarot. And then we're all under the same boot because we pay uh, amendment number 16 taxes the american experiment tax that is where they stir the cup of the analima and so yeah we're all under the same tower of psychic domineering but yeah thinking I think that he's there's a, a racial there's a racial component to it because i am this is our connection anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> i mentioned this in the chat but i'll just say it out loud the these red-haired people's champions for the conservative or the right wing that keep pro- cropping up this new one Oliver Anthony this you know orange man bad he's literally an orange man red hair he's his hair is maybe not red red but like he's orange <laughs> he is, i think he counts and then the the you know the osama killer there's probably more we're just spitballing here but Think of an anagram for ginger that starts with an N and think about what were the two racial groups that were most enslaved in the past. And I think that these people's champions are just poking fun at 
the rah rah freedom. We're the right. We're the conservative. We're right ritual. Right ritual. They're the right. You know, yeah. the right side. And they're you know being made fun of that they're heroes that are like fighting for their freedom uh, are encoding that the you know names for slaves that they are still just they're they're maybe even dumber in some ways than the pro big government left who is willing and openly knowing what they're getting into you know asking for the communism <laughs> it right. might be what's dumber to uh, know that you want communism and ask for it or to think that you're the the right side and in that you're you know mount up patriots uh, the storm's mm-hmm. coming <laughs> all this stupid shit and i want to take those two those two demographics the gingers in the the in the in, the inward <laughs> and i want to blend, and i'm going to blend them together in the illumination of the fact that i learned so much about how kabbalistically magic the whole oliver a spell was olive branch spell whatever that was you blend those two demographics together and you get ninja you get ninja they infiltrated your psyche with that thing and they ninjaed into uh, your mentality, into your heart, into your tifereth. A red herring. It's a that's red what, herring. That's what they used to offer the volcano on Negative. Volcanalia. It happened on Volcanalia. Who said that? I can't see the comment. Oh, Meg said that it's a red herring. That's Meg, so you're true. A, you're a badass. Yes, they used to offer the red herring. That's Lawrence Fishburne is uh, it's all offering to the volcano. Uh, Allegedly, Vesuvius, they were throwing fish in there because of the turning of the age to Pisces. Well, this brings me to the next point I wanted to. That's killer, man. That's killer. <laughs> yeah, that did happen around Volcanalia. That's, that, that's a huge can of worms. T-A-X. And- T-A-X. It's the sword of fire turning in all directions. Analima, tower card. And is that's that, perfect is that the for- pattern that you stir a cauldron in? Am I wrong? <laughs> And sword fighting too, yes. So close to the night of Saint Lawrence as well, actually. The the uh Perseid meteor shower, I believe. It might be, I don't know. But I, that's it's hot, around that's it's around late 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 August. So. That's hot fire, brother, because uh the the axe of the Analima, it's not in the middle, it's 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 towards the top of the of the turn. You guys know what it looks like, and it crisscrosses where Perseus is. St. Lawrence, patron saint of poor people. Right, right. Because, yes, because the Coptic cross uh, in September is the slave new year, is the new year of the slave. So that martyred by being roasted alive on a gridiron. Yeah, I think they joke that his last words were, I'm done on this side. You could turn me over now. (laughs) Oh my God. That's the scaffolding. That's the cranial scaffolding. I love it. But all, okay. All this leads me to open up the next Avenue of talking about ritual. There are three kinds of rituals, you know, coming from the idea that ritual originates in the rites or in Latin, you know, the religious ritualis religious ceremonies, customs, right? So there are three in that category. And the first one is mythological reenactment. And I think that's part of what this, like the mass media spell is, is the re- mythological reenactment over and over again, especially with movies and TV. 
What do you guys think? You know, one thing, one thing I'm becoming more sensitive to, I should have been more, more on this when I was younger because uh, I studied sign language. I'm into ritualistic dance fighting. So it's, you can tell I talk with my hands a lot. I'm in this little box and I still got to make my hands be seen, you know? Uh, so w- one thing that uh, I'm just picking up on is how actions speak louder than words. And they're speaking to parts of our perception that are more powerful than words. And so uh, part of the Eleusinian mysteries had three different forms of communication to the observer, uh, that which is said, that which is shown, and that which is done. And uh, I, it's a whole nother show to talk about what that means. What is said, what is shown, and what is done is not always the same thing. And there's an alchemy to manipulating that in the audience. Sorry, sorry, but a little cropped up here. But um, it's funny how you know you get the, and it's another element of this that maybe to just throw it in like another little spice to put on top is that growing up you hear the word ritual, and I guess I always was thinking of you know pentagrams and candles, negativity and stuff, you know things like that. I, I, I rented a book out from in elementary school, and I may have we might have talked about this before, but it was a book about how to summon demons. And it was sitting in my elementary school library, you know, and I, I don't think it belonged. Well, maybe it belonged there, but straight, it was, you know, bathe in garlic for a week first, set up the pentagram. I'm like, mom, what is all this? And she's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what this is, but that's what I thought rituals were. You know, I didn't you even check that book out as a kid. It was just sitting there. It was like demons. And I'm like, oh, sick, you know, and I took it out. I was probably in uh, second grade. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, so, you know, people think, that rituals are this negative, awful thing, you know, and and that's where the stigma comes from. And they don't even realize that they partake in rituals constantly every day. So like you said, what is shown, what is done, what is said, it's, it's, that's, that's yeah. part of it. I, the mythological reenactment aspect, you know, and we can maybe get back into the whole like evocation aspect of ritual is, and I think that they tie together actually, because one thought experiment that I like to follow is that the demonic has to do with our deceased ancestors and the name carries so much power. Topher and I got into this last week pretty deeply and what beyond the name might be evocative of these type of big, powerful disincarnate spirits maybe their archetypal story or path could have something to do with it i don't know maybe whenever the mythological reenactment is done without being attached to a specific version of an archetype maybe it invokes all of them i don't know but think about all of our marvelous demystifier streams we've done gabriel and how you can't once you see it you can't unsee it that all of hollywood especially the superhero movies, but really all of Hollywood, you know, there's only one story or there's, (laughs) there's 12 stories or something. I think Joseph Campbell might say 12, but there's not that many stories and they're just repeated over and over again. And is that part of the evocation of something into somebody's life? You know, I think yes. And here's how I think it works. I think that when we go through this ritual reenactment of mythology, 
through the entertainment and trainment in our mind, it is setting us up with subconscious agreements and beliefs regarding certain archetypes that when they show up in our life, they're going to show up resonating with those beliefs and agreements we've made through the ritual reenactment of mythological story. And they don't have to follow the exact pattern of the mythology. It's just really about the archetype element. <laughs> Think about how many people grew up with a TV on at dinner when their kids, friends was on every night at six or whatever, Seinfeld. And then they go into the dating world, they go into the adult world. And the, what do they expect relationships to be like? Short, brief, brutal, repeat you know, or whatever the, whatever they took on from those TV shows. I think that there's something to it. I think it can be as simple as like the basic archetypes of mom, dad, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, friend, you know, simple, simple archetypes that these reenactments that happen through these entertainments are actually seeding. I mean, music is big. Music is big. Think of country music. Think of rap me all the genres really <laughs> how many people we talked about this with al dog a lot about the charter and rap music but how many people modeled the way that they treat other people based on music or what they expect from other people based on music it's a huge component to all of it yeah i was thinking a lot about uh what you guys brought up with uh thomas paranoid american in the nlp you know, you throw that in with the musical factor. It's just amazing what is what is uh, what is possible that we just haven't had all the information to look at what might have been going on all along under our nose. Uh, uh, ecstatic states uh, comes to mind. The idea of being like passive in a theater where you're actually you should be asleep and you're and you're almost simulating a dream, you know, and uh, and there's something. Uh, again, uh, between what is shown, what is done, and what is said about the psychology of man, that we go into what is this, a situation you should be asleep and let somebody dream for us. Um, and the idea of ecstatic states is really profound. I don't think we. I don't think we've really. Uh, I don't think I've learned the full potential of what ecstatic states can can do. You know what I mean? And we allow other people to facilitate it for us. Uh, but, you know, a good meditative practice can pull you out of ecstatic states or bring you in if you need to. You know, you get uh, you become more adept at all of that. But uh, the a strange nugget from Gnosticism, you know, the Nagamadis, uh, they tell people that it's all about knowing. Gnostic means knowing. But deep down in the in the bottom of the barrel of it all, it's actually about ec ecstatic states. That's what distinguished Gnostics in I now know this and I'm paying more attention to what it means to know ecstatic states. And I realize that it's been weaponized against us to profound effect to the extent of that secondary identity to your stoic mark us, our alias, mark us, our alias, that other persona that doesn't respond to emotion, that other mask that you wear that is shut down drone, part of the bourgeoisie Borg, a six persona that you have to go to work every day. So I just want to say that we've been put into a state of non-responsiveness to our own detriment, uh, and it creates an ecstaticness that uh, is beautiful to break out of. I'm here to tell you.
<laughs> to be one with yourself. You know what I mean? Well, it's so tr- funny you say that because I met a random person at the gym today and this guy was kind of wanting to pick my brain about like healthy meal prep. And, you know, we got to talking a little bit and it'd be awesome if he was listening. Cause I told him what I do, but it was interesting that he brought up, he mentioned stoicism and also in the conversation, you know, his main problem that we were discussing was working at an Amazon warehouse and <laughs> all the <laughs> horrible elements that come to come with that and just sort of, you know, I've just got to keep going and I'm going to keep doing this until I can get myself out of it. But like there was a like stoicism was a part of what allowed him to keep going on as a drone in that machine, even knowing that it wasn't really for him or all the issues with that. And man, there's something deep there. Uh, the ecstatic state is such an open state and maybe those moments of big laughs or those moments of high thrills that come through the entertainment are miniaturized weaponized ecstatic states in which some programming can slip through. I mean, of course they call TV programs and one of the elements of NLP that I, after learning about it, I just can't help but notice it in television programs, especially, but in movies too, is the layering effect, layering a story within a story. Think about how every Simpsons episode goes. The, the, the episode begins, there's a plot. We're like, okay, this is the problem. Here's what we're doing. And then all of a sudden, a minute later, you're in a completely different setting with a completely different story arc as if we just forgot all about what seemed like was going to be the main story. And then that'll happen again, maybe one or two more times in the episode. And eventually they'll work their way back through the layers of the story to the resolution. Seinfeld does this. Futurama does this. But all the most popular TV shows really do that powerfully rather than just kind of one beginning, middle and end type of story and how that works. in NLP layering is that it's a time release fa- uh, factor <laughs> that the external story is the one you'll remember when you walk. I could be getting this mixed up, but the external story you'll remember when you're walking out of the building right then the second layer story you might remember the next day. The third or fourth layers of the inception are like a time bomb waiting to release at who knows when, but like later on down the road. And the NLP masters have got this down to a science of exactly when like salespeople use this exactly when they want you to remember what it is that they layered into your consciousness. They can work it in with the proper layering of stories. Yes. So that on Tuesday, two weeks from now at 5 p.m., you're like, boom, I think I want to buy that thing that that guy was selling. And you it's just a, happened to crazy. be in the place for it to connect. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool now think of, think of what that could mean with uh, uh, commercials on YouTube. You're in a certain context. They know what you're watching. They know your Enneagram score. And they drop this commercial at this time, right in the middle of this conversation that you are already primed to think about. And then they know you're going to, your dog's going to shit in this corner of the, of the yard next Thursday. Yeah, Jenny, I also, I like Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism too. I I hope I didn't come across like I didn't find value in that, but it is, as Gabriel was saying, there is a certain uh, (laughs) way that that is wielded of just same with mindfulness and meditation. Like just keep being a good office drone. Here's the 
tools that will help you cope <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah. That brings up to me yeah. the, uh, the uh, whirling dervishes who are like a top spinning on the threshold between the stoic religiosity of the, of the, and then the ecstatic state of moving and moving and swirling and swirling and putting themselves into an ecstatic state with the, you know, the devotion and fervor and discipline in order to, in, in that stoic pr- presentation with the, with the ritualistic clothes and everything like that. So I think that's a really great, great example. So maybe just, uh, spin around on your lunch break at the Amazon warehouse until you fall over. <laughs> My dogs get really worried if I spin in the same direction too many times. <laughs> they, they can't handle it. Yeah. No offense, no offense to Marcus Aurelius fans out there. It's just an observation. And I do, I agree. Stoicism is freaking awesome. It's got me, got me through uh, tons of, moments in life uh so yeah not dissing the stoics but isn't that interesting marcus aurelius right and the mask and it's also ma which is Ma'at 41 all things about your uh your social identity the reason that i named this episode reinventing the ritual wheel is because i had an epiphany that Our rituals, what we do every day, what we do as habits, even though the idea of a ritual might sound like it's something static and the same and unchanging, actually, your rituals are always evolving. If you think about this, I mean, maybe for some people, they're a little more static than others, but I'm and maybe maybe I'm speaking as an Aries and I'm always kind of like, let's do something a little different. But I'm pretty sure this applies to everybody that the stuff that you do even every day or regularly or weekly, or even things that you have established as a pattern, like this is my ritual. If you pay attention over time, it's not the same from time to time. Like you're going to evolve in it. And I've noticed that at least in myself, if I'm not intentionally upgrading and updating my ritual with new information, new knowledge, new, new way, better way, then my habits, my daily habits, if I'm not intentionally seeking to move the dial towards better, more efficient, more healthy, or whatever, whatever metric I'm, you know, attempting to improve on, then there tends to be like slippage and uh, degradation of the ritual, rushing it, less effective, less polished, whatever. So when I say reinventing the ritual wheel, I mean, like as this wheel is turning our daily habits, our daily practices, it, it's helpful for us to be aware that there is no stasis. The wheel is always turning, baby. And is it, are you rolling backwards down the hill or are you putting on the gas so that you can go over the next peak and into a higher vista? That's a, a part of this as well, that your rituals are not actually static. Even right. things that you're intending to do the same evolves. Yes. You know, uh, uh, the idea of um, integrity, I learned this when I was studying yoga, like coming uh, coming back to center with integrity is such a cool thing to hold in your mind for a prolonged period, you know, to just uh, integrate the concept of integrity bodily into yourself uh, in becoming better and better at attaining that uh, 
uh, more efficiently. George, I muted you, but you can unmute. I just want to let you know, I think maybe your mic was a little unplugged. Uh, what about now? I'm just hearing, or it's a little hot or something. I was hearing a little buzz off of it. Okay, I'll, I'll stop talking. Just a little bit of like, uh, you know, un, the ungrounded sound, you know, where it's just like, uh, just very subtle. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You're a sound guy. You'll get it. Any difference? Yeah, perfect Any now. Any difference now? Oh, it's so smooth. Yeah. So so good. And now, yeah, now you can just stay unmuted. Baby's gone. <laughs> good night, baby. <laughs> he was yeah, fun. Baby gone. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, you know, he did things he's never done before. He took this, this sage, you know, he like took this sage bushel and just kind of launched it. And there's just sage everywhere now. It's beautiful. It actually smells really nice. <laughs> he's doing he's <laughs> developing his own ritual. He's making his own ritual. And <laughs> you know, that I guess what I was thinking of saying at some point is that that's one of the and I give him a I, I give him a standing ovation. Whoever they is, they manage to create rituals that do become very stagnant and they feel just fine. And as soon as you mention it to someone, they get very defensive and they're like, Well, that's my thing, that's what I do. And um it's so easy to not criticize yourself and then you criticize others. And then at the same time, it can be easy to criticize yourself too, but not when it comes to ritual rituals, we hold very deep. And um, it's one of those things that we think we almost think they're private and they're usually not, you know what I mean? Almost all of them aren't private, especially if you live with somebody, you know, then obviously it's out, but you, you feel like they're private, but they're not. So when they're challenged or when somebody brings up the fact that, hey, you know, your toothbrush bristles are getting kind of crazy. Is that what you always do with your toothbrush or you, you use it for five years straight or you, you get a new one? Whatever it happens to be. I, I feel like they're, they've created a scenario where the average wage slave does really hold on tight to their rituals because it's all they fucking have at this point in their mind, you know, not, not realizing that they can actually escape things pretty easily just by a quick twist of the mind. Yes. I think that's one of their biggest successes for sure in, the, in our generation, in our culture. Yes, you, you totally reminded me of something I forgot to add on is the idea of capturing and harnessing emotion. Mm. Uh, kind of coming back to the stoicism, you know, it's like they, they observe it and they let it pass and move through it. Uh, but then it's gone and it does, where does it just do sublimate? Does it evaporate? Well, some people you can, you know, if you're savvy enough, you can capture that for use later. You know what I mean? And then bring it out forward in, uh, in a safe space for ritual. Uh, and I just wanted to say that too, that integrity is beautiful. Emotion is also fuel in your, in your ritual. You know, you should really fucking mean it or else you're not, or else you're, you're kind of, yeah, it kind of loses its, its value. So the emotion is super, it's like the flavor of the meal. That's a good point. And based on what I said earlier with the toothbrush, if you, if you're brushing your teeth, very tired at the end of the night, you don't care so much. You just don't do a good job and you don't take the time and, and you don't have the emotion to do it correctly. So that I totally agree with that. And this is what happens when people listen to music or the same song over and over again, because nobody listens to albums anymore, apparently because they're not worth it, I guess, but they, they just kind of, it, they just turn it on because it's their thing and they don't even know what they like about it. You know, and most kids don't even know there is an album or that they have five albums or whatever, you know? My ritual is to brush my teeth in the shower. Nice. I think that's a good place to do it. 
Yeah. Because then you're not like, because why I like that <laughs> is because you're, you're not in a rush to be done. You know what I mean? Like other times when you're brushing your teeth, they're like, okay, I'm just standing here. I'm just brushing my teeth. All I'm doing is brushing my teeth. Um, maybe, maybe I'll hit the one minute or two minute mark. Maybe it's just a quick 20 second jam, but in the shower, it's warm. You're in this cozy cocoon of watery healing. <laughs> That's a good place to brush your teeth. Another cool shower ritual that you can do since we're on the subject is to, if, if there's a, you could do this for every chakra, but you can conceive of yourself with the water washing and cleansing each chakra center intentionally because water has some bit of energetic hygiene effect to it. But when you intend into it and say, I'm specifically, I'm not cleaning my external skin, external chest right now. I'm washing and unblocking and unlocking heart chakra, throat chakra, third eye, go up and down the list and take time to intentionally do that. Like the way that, you know, <laughs> the way that you never forget to get the, the T zone, you know, the pits and uh, the crotch, <laughs> always remembering that. Well, you could add into the list of things that you wash in the shower. I'm cleansing, clearing chakras specifically. I learned that from a book shaman healer sage and uh it's a good ritual that's a good way to do it rachel says you can't sing if you're brushing your teeth well it only <laughs> takes a couple minutes you can sing before and after that <laughs> use, the use the toothbrush as a microphone too I, and, and since we're on oral rituals i have i uh I, you guys ever scrape your tongue that's a really yeah. cool one. So I scraped my tongue and my Ayurveda, when in my Ayurveda days, we learned seven times, one for each of the datus or one for each of the layers of the body. So that's exactly kind of the same idea is that like this one's for the outermost surface. This one goes all the way down to the bone and so on, where, where you're really intending that with the microcosmic feature of your, the rest of your body with your tongue and then glancing at yourself and looking at it. Very cool. And all the meridians hit a tooth at some point, right? So you can even think about each tooth as its own action. Mm -hmm. Kyle, what, what are some rituals that are part of your life that you particularly enjoy or that maybe you made up on your own? So I, uh, so as an herbalist, I love, love tasting plants everywhere I go. And that's kind, I've of, seen a, that. That, that's kind of a ritual where I, Basically, if anything is in like grabbing area and I know what it is and I can identify it, even if I can't identify it, a lot of times I do because I'm, I'm a, I'm a bold forager. <laughs> so, so I know how to, I know how to spit things out if I, if they don't taste right. And I know what, I know what poison tastes like. So I'm not recommending this for everyone, but, um, but th this is, I'll say this according to like what, what, um, Gabriel was saying too, there's times when I'm just doing, I'm just walking and I'm just grabbing stuff because this is what I do, right? I just like grab and I, and I taste and in a, in a way, like on the, on a very mundane level and maybe at a materialistic level, I could describe it as like, I am sampling uh, genetic material from the land and it's, it's inputs, right? If you want to think of it that way, it's inputs from the land and I'm taking it in and it's informing me. And, um, but but when I add the element of emotion and I say, woo, this one is spicy, or thank you so much for offering that juicy 
uh, elderberry right in my path. That was really nice. Thank you. Uh, just having that emotion come to me, then it is, then it, uh, my, my ritual becomes enlivening and that's me going through the motion. So I, that's something that I love doing. And here's, here's a funny thing too. Like, I think somewhere a part of me thinks that there's the, there's this elementals, I would call them this group of elementals, you know, there's the, there's the earth elementals, there's the fire elementals, the water elementals, the, and, and, uh, and so on in the air and their job basically is uh they're like little elves that are just trying to create this facade of the mundane world and what we perceive as reality into an elemental sense and they're just you know like in a like in a disney movie or something like little just hammering away and creating little bits and pieces of the air that we breathe and there's a part of them or a group of them, or a sect of each one of them, that is really enchanted with interacting with people that is beyond the mundane. And and those are the ones that I think play tricks on people, and take people's keys, and put stuff, you know, mix up the mail so you don't get the parking ticket, and things like that, you know? And the way, and I've mentioned this on the show before, but the way that I really like to play with them, and I think they have a, a a great sense of humor is that by you do things that mess up your ritual, your, your, uh, you, you do things that go against the mundane. So instead of walking my dog like this, I'm going to walk my dog like this. <laughs> I know. Or, or, or something yeah. like that, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll, my, my wife's like, your shirt's on backwards. And I, I go, I know. <laughs> For people yeah. just listening, he, he put his glasses on upside down. <laughs> yeah. so little things like this to just get a ritual extra, silliness, ritual silliness to get a little extra kick. Like my, like the access of my astigmatism or whatever is a little bit off. So things are, things are a little bit like a funhouse mirror. When I, when I put my glasses on upside down, when I walk with one foot in with my left foot in my right shoe, it feels like I want to go this way. And then I take a step with my other foot that's in the wrong shoe and it goes this way. And somehow in the, in the back of my mind, at least in my imagination, I'm imagining these little, these little uh, elementals just cracking up <laughs> and saying, <laughs> All right, we'll give him his keys back. <laughs> and there they are. And uh, and so to me, it's like a great way of breaking spells of the mundane while being in a state of ritual at the same time. So uh, sampling plants and being with biota and then also just not taking myself too seriously as I do my my motions. And this is uh, in, in physiognomy of of uh, the Zodiac. This is an Aquarian thing. Like, how can you tell somebody's a an, an Aries? They usually have like, you know, they they look like chance. They have like a nice a nice looking forehead, nice looking brow, and the, the Tauruses look strong. And what do the Aries or the Aquarius look like? They look like they're just what? Where the hell are they going? They're like walking on air. They just like walk around <laughs> like this way and that way. Where which direction am I going? And so that's kind of what I'm like. I'm just gonna ride this. I'm just gonna put my sail up and see what happens. And it's, oh, my sail's going backwards now. And um, so to me, my my ritual, a lot of it is just being myself and trying to be as silly and not taking myself as serious as possible. And really, that's when the ecstatic nature comes into my life in, in that way, too. So thanks for asking. man. Justness <laughs> in the chat said, 
My dad always said this to me. If life isn't going well, do something crazy like a handstand on the front lawn or something really random. He did this all the time. Makes sense. That is, yeah, that's really great. Handstands are the best. I'm a total handstand junkie, total (laughs) handstand junkie. And, uh, and I allow myself to fully believe that I am reversing time. Uh, that's part of the ritual for me when I did handstands was I'm going to gain whatever I put out, whatever excess that I put out, I'm going to reclaim that. And I invert and I breathe and I get comfortable, but yeah, handstands are the bomb and the key. There's two rules to the handstand. Anybody who's new to it, two rules. One is don't bend your elbows. (laughs) And rule number two is remember to smile. (laughs) (laughs) you know i had a i had a a, an unwanted ritual kind of creep its way into my life when i was really young i kept getting shampoo in my eye every shower and there's no way i could avoid it it happened every single time it might have even been two months might have been three months maybe and then i said it to my dad i said you're thinking about it and that never happened again you know something changes it never happened not even one more time ever again has it ever happened you know but it happened every single time that is so cool. That is so <laughs> cool, man. I love that one. That, re- that reminds me of uh, the, one of the first times I met my biological father. I got the hiccups and I, I think I was nervous. Wow. And, he t- and he told me the trick to think of the last time you saw a white horse alone in a field. And I sat there for a minute and I went off into my imagination and the hiccups were gone. And then I come back and I'm I don't know if I've ever seen a white horse alone in a field. And he's like, where are your hiccups at? I was like, oh, shoot, you got me. (laughs) Exactly. It's all in the mind. Uh, Somebody somebody asked about OCD and being careful with ritual. And that I Mm. I think that's a great that's a great question, don't you think? Like, because it can get out of hand for some people. Like and like because we're pointing out that we've a lot of people have lost the sacredness of their own uh uh self-possessedness is a lot of what ritual really is and then some people like she's pointing out get really caught up and i think uh uh i'm not i'm not really sure what to say but the one thought is that closing the ritual is so crucial it's so crucial and that can be any uh, variation of things, but, you know, it can be just, you know, uh, the, the Holy Sacred Cross, give thanks to the Lord, whatever you want. Uh, I love my favorite way to close off a ritual or to, to ground out the unwanted is just a hand to the ground, one palm to the ground, you know, a thought of the mother and it passes. Uh, so if you know somebody who has OCD, you know, that's a really uh, just Touching the earth is a super powerful closing of uh, intention. One thing that comes to mind about, you know, the shadow aspect of ritual, as it was said in the chat, OCD rituals is. So, okay, so (laughs) I think the healthy version of ritual has to do with things you're doing because they make you feel good or because you feel good already. 
And then the unhealthy version is the fear that something bad will happen if you don't do the ritual is usually what OCD rituals revolve around. So it's like magic, magic getting reversed. Instead of using the magic to alter your state into a positive direction, it's like if I don't do this, the negative thing is going to happen. I haven't got a lot of OCD uh, experience in biofield tuning, but the one person who told me about having it in our tuning, we were able to work that out and it went away. And I even heard back months later that it was still not a thing anymore. So I don't know if we have any (laughs) overarching like blanket statement advice for OCD, but I bet that there's, I bet that there's a tincture on typical new herbs that might help. <laughs> Man, I just, I've been thinking about this a lot because we're in the sign of Virgo and this is kind of like a shadow aspect of Virgo is like Virgo's the organizer. It's all about organizing. And, and that OCD could be obsessed with organizing little things. Let me make sure my computer is completely strained all these little tiny things. Right. And to me, I, I've, I feel like I really witness the energies of uh, the times of year, according to the tropical Zodiac, when I've been doing this, this uh, work with, with the vibrant and really tuning in. Uh, and so lately I've been making uh, remedies for the, for the signs. Like I, d- I did with the previous one with Leo and I did one with, with Virgo too. And it, and I did have a, a tincture and it's called belly brain bitters. And it's about, uh, it's, it's some herbs that are designed to bring that mental access back into that sacral solar plexus organized area to really uh, work back in internally. Like as if, as if it, uh, the external disorganization is a reflection of what's going on internally. So refocusing those those uh, efforts to organize whatever the liver does and all the, all the different organization that happens from the inner layers first and then it can just start to work its way out without all that stress uh reflected on the on the outside level so lavender's great wood betony's great we'll talk about it next week i think right <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a good time on the virgo herbs astro herbalism vibrant a week from today i do think it's it's appropriate you brought up Virgo, though, as the organizer shadow of Virgo OCD <laughs> behavior. That totally makes sense. I have been seeing repeatedly in clients since the sun went into Virgo issues at the gut level, issues that revolve on the axis of frustration versus satisfaction or self-worth versus self-shame, self-guilt. Those are the the real things that are going on in the sacral chakra chakra, which is also, you know, very related to your stomach. This is the, I think, big driver of OCD. It's you would think it might be more of a third eye issue because it's like thought related. But the third eye is the as above to the sacral chakra. So below, if you look at the heart chakra as the central point they fold it over they're on top of each other sacral and uh, third eye so i think what you're saying is really appropriate sort out the gut possibly sort out the problems in the belief system the trauma or stuck emotions 
working on, okay, so your ritual you described of singing after a meal is a perfect example of actually something that would be really helpful to incorporate. I think the OCD person maybe ought to just incorporate different rituals besides just the ones where they're afraid something bad will happen if they don't do it. Start working in ritual behaviors meant to invoke the energy of feeling satisfied into the body physically. Gratitude practices are great for that. Singing after your meal is great for that. Putting your awareness and intention, sensing and scanning into your body and trying to, if you have to even just imagine it until you can feel it, but trying to become aware of and feel the tingly, pleasurable sensation of having a body in different parts of your body, especially in the gut. If you had a daily ritual of summoning and feeling and being aware of the pleasurable, tingly, satisfied, in my body energy that you can put your attention on. That is, in my opinion, like taking your medicine against the, you know, the other side of the shadow side, the frustration, resentment, guilt, shame side. So I think that's actually the, because when you, I mean, it might not be apparent right away, but if you think about it, the belief of if I don't tap this doorknob three times when I go in and out of the door or something bad will happen, that is actually a shame or it's more of a guilt thing. Like it's assuming that everything bad that ever happens is on me. So I need to be better and I need to do something to make sure that the bad doesn't happen because of me. You see what I mean? I think this mm-hmm. is all a second chakra level stuff, which is yeah, Virgo. <laughs> perfect. I love, I love the way you say that. Like it really does put it in, in perspective, that threat of detriment, that imaginary threat of detriment it seems to be like what that OCD pattern is. Uh, uh, one thought is, uh, do you guys remember the, uh, the Utah Jazz? I think there were a couple of fellas had really cool free throw rituals. Like, remember the one guy, he would, he would calmly pet his own face gently before shooting a free throw. He was on the Utah Jazz. Don't remember his name, but people yeah, asked anchor. People asked him, he said that was his child, his child's hand. He was, he was his own child brushing his own cheek and then he would shoot his free throw. And then, uh, uh, there's another guy from the jazz. He had a, a phrase he would say, and you could see, he would say the phrase before every shot. And we used to joke around and we would fill, uh, we would ad lib his own, his words. So every time he would say his phrase, we were in the audience saying, I'm looking for a girl with a gun and a job (laughs) (laughs) because we were trying to read his lips, but yeah, something um, like (laughs) kind of like what Kyle was saying about like, do something out of logic, leave logic for a minute, break it, break away from logic, Uh, disattach from your self-importance. You know, the OCD thing is just a really powerful superstition. It's just super powerful superstition. And I, I'm going to share a story about what uh, it's hyper deliberation is another way to describe what OCD becomes. But I, uh, I have a story from this morning uh, because I was in a little conversation over in the Wands telly last night and I went to sleep with some thoughts and then I woke up with uh, a more de- developed thought. And when you I got, got on I got I NLP'd myself. <laughs> I Gorgeous up. book, by the way, a dictionary of superstitions. Yeah, yeah. Figure that flash since you, since you just bring, mentioned that. <laughs> bring it up. Let me see it. Yeah. Let's That's see the cover. Cool, man. 
Yeah. Wow. Is that looks like a Virgo figure? <laughs> right. Is it Cersei? No. I know that face. Who is that? She's beautiful. Know. She's got. Oh, that's such a good cover, man. We're going figure. A lot going on, definitely. I mean, it's Oxford, but still, it is. It is pretty cool. There's definitely that's, some interesting stuff in here for sure. Nice. Uh, so yeah. Uh, oh, so okay. So yeah. This morning, I'm thinking about this idea. I got on Juan's telly, and somebody had asked me a question that I had already processed the answer to. It was it was crazy psychic, and it was really weird. But it had to do with. When people take an oath uh, to testify for testimony, um, uh, what what does it mean? What was the origin of it? That was kind of the question. And uh, my answer was that when they seed a person's expectation with the right way to do something, it becomes um, they're achieving the placebo effect minimum standard if they could tell you okay put your hand on this book and repeat after me and you put your right hand on there and they're like no you're doing that wrong it's the other hand you all got to do the other hand it's oh oh sorry okay so you put your left hand on it okay now you're doing it now you're not doing it wrong that implies that there's a right way for it to work that imply opens up the exception of the offer for you to say oh there's a right way for this to go and so that's kind of what OCD is, is like a whole life of like, there's only one way to spell this word. There's only one way to say these words and that oh, the, the B in climb is silent and you can't ever pronounce the B. And you know what I mean? They get caught in the only the rights, the rights, the rights, the rights. And that is the trap of ritual. It's that 90 degree angle, that uprightness. And so uh, I think that, yeah, being goofy and giving yourself permission to self mock and not deliberate so much uh, is all part of uh, kind of what we're we're playing with here. Uh, but I hope that helps maybe with anybody who is in that kind of uh, imaginary detriment that OCD is, you know, very superstitious. Sometimes it, it only takes a laugh to get out of a, a funk. It could take months, but one, you know, and then what you're like, why, why do I keep doing this? Right. So it, it could be as simple as that. Some inversion of the feeling. Yeah, it makes sense, man. And it has to be silly. Sometimes it just has to be silly. It was perfect. What you said, Kyle, about flipping the glasses. It just has to be ridiculous in a great way. It can change everything. Luda, Luda, the silly love. <laughs> I stack my day with, with silliness from the beginning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, I'll tell you just a, a quick thing. And I have a question for you, Jorge. Um, or George, I'm sorry. Oh, whatever comes out first, man. They're both okay. accurate. No problem. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, like I said, I have a little one and a half year old. Uh, he wakes up uh, in the morning to have pajamas that are, are a rooster. So he goes, gooly, 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 gooly. Like I wake up with a rooster car- crawl. And right, it's my, right. it's, it's my son. And then we go dance and we listen to classical music primarily. Like that's, that's it. And so uh, Vivaldi, you know, some of the Italian masters and stuff like that. And with this type of music, it really, it's it, like, I just mimic him because I just watch him do his thing. And, uh, he's got a, a very good, like range of motion. And I think that because he's, you know, close, closest 
to God, like he's probably got a really good way of like understanding dance where I'm all like, ah, you know, I'm trying to like, I shouldn't dance like that. It's going to look silly. <laughs> but if I keep doing it over and over and over every day for the last year and a half, then I, then it, then it trains me to be like, it's okay. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be silly. And it's really fun. And I start the day with some music. I share this uh, great uh, moment. Just that's just me and him. We're dancing to. Uh, I get to be the DJ. Sometimes it's we play the, the Vivaldi and whatnot. But anyway, I'm wondering if you have any rituals that are musically inclined that you share with your kids that bring out uh, the best in you, or that, or or vice versa. You know. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's a, it's a strangely loaded question because it's, I was asked, I was said once, oh, wow, you, your hobby is your job. That's great. I'm just like, this shit ain't my hobby, man. I don't like go home and then plug in right away. And I'm like, yes, I can't wait to play instrument. Cause I'm usually teaching for many hours back in the day, especially. So there is this very interesting relationship that I have with the music, you know, but of course my kids are already great singers. They're great dancers. And we do use a, a different range of music and similar, you know, I, I definitely do some Baroque stuff because it really has just every 16th note is covered. And you can see where they fit in, in that because they're stressed and unstressed beats and they both kind of move in the different spot. They find one of them goes on this part. One of them does this part, you know, where, where they stress their movements, where their feet land and where their arms move. So I like to see what they do in response to certain styles, especially something along the lines of Vivaldi, because that whole Baroque era is every man, woman, and child for themselves when you're playing, because they're, they're lines that they're interwoven, they're unrelated, but they're totally related. And it's, it's great. It's great brain candy, you know? But then sometimes I put on something a little more on the Romantic era, where there's a lot of, there's a lot of action in the melodic and harmonic context, and maybe the rhythm isn't as sturdy, where I would, it's, I, and anyone listening, believe me, I know, that this is not accurate, but I would say if there was a style of classical that gets rid of a conductor and successfully keeps pumping, it would be Baroque because it's just this train that won't stop. But with the romantic stuff, there's this ebb and flow as a push and pull. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, you know, it's that. So I like to see what they do in that case, kind of like an egg rolling down a hill instead of a ball. I like to see how they respond to this not pulsed metered thing. Because a lot of times you put on rock music, any kid's tune, they, you know, they're immediately on it. The backbeat's there, and 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 they're gonna they're gonna find something right away. They might even clap where they, where it belongs. But with the weirder, less prescribed things, it's great to see what they do with that, right? And you know, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about it, but it often does come right after food, right after breakfast. It's usually when the music is on, as opposed to any other activity that might happen, and also before bath time. Because I'm I'm trying to maybe taper them off by the end of the season. We skipped our bath tonight. So I think that was a reason he was up, right? <laughs> we skipped the ritual. And um, pre-bath, so they do a, a ton of energy. Any final sweat glands that want to do something, get to do it. And then we get to the bath. And then we end up singing in the bath, too. So uh, like he's singing Baba Black Sheep like crazy. He can't stop. It's great. So we got him like five black sheep, you know, to play with. And, uh, and she'll sing a number of different tunes and some call and response tunes also kind of, you know, um, child songs, but they're, they take a lot of intuitive nature and it allows us to introduce different objects into it where, you know, certain songs, you can fill in the blank on a certain word and we get to talk about whatever it is, a pencil, a pen, a color. 
And uh, the ritual ends up being how much can we vary a, a typical kid's song so that way it's not just the one they hear over and over again. How can, how can we add things in and you can still sing the same melody and just change the words, you know? So I think that's, that's some of the things that we have the most fun with for sure. And, um, and I definitely put on, not because I'm listening to it all the time, but I have a very ex- extensive history of metal and all kinds of metal, some of it pretty extreme. And I like to put that on too, because there is a pulse, but there's this like white noise level of extreme texture. It just kind of hits you with high amplitude all the time. And I like to see how they react to that too, you know, because they don't react violently. They really enjoy it and they kind of smile and they're having a fun time with it because, um, they don't they don't get this like scolding you know yelling awful feelings in the house so when the guy's yelling on the song i think it's just fun for them they're like what is that how do you even do that you know and they they yell they're they're kids you know they're yelling but it's nice to see how they react to all these different styles you know like jazz funk metal and random classical from the past like 500 years that's pretty much where the music goes and yeah, fitting in different words with different with different songs. That's kind of the rituals we experience post food. Just like you said, I didn't even think of it. It's post food for sure. They're ready to dance. They're definitely ready to dance and run in circles. And then uh, and then right before bath time, they kind of sense that bath time's coming. If there's a song on, you know, certain songs, a lot of African stuff, South American stuff has great grooves to dance to. That's pretty much where it sits. Definitely. And then and then every so often, I whip out the instrument. I'll plug in a bass. I'll turn the amp up fairly loud. And and I'll give them like a really steady thing and they're just loving it, you know? And they're also both playing ukulele pretty well too, which is very exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're talking in the chat about singing and praying. <laughs> twice. He who sings praise twice. I I like that a lot. That's cool. Uh, That's cool. I think any any intention setting or prayer doing that you might be up to is... <laughs> There's the part where it's just the repetition of words. And then there's the part where you feel it in your body and in your emotions and singing. It is a way, way more likely Avenue towards feeling it hundred percent. I love to sing the like setting of intentions when I'm setting up the room before attuning. Sometimes I just speak it out loud as I'm clearing the corners and clearing the space and burning the smudge and, doing all that but the uh the times where i sing it out loud it is i feel it more you know not to be all ocd about it (laughs) your rituals are going to hit different from time to time and you have to just be cool with that and roll with that the key is the consistency you know and one aspect of ritual that is good to help uh or to elucidate on is rituals that are for our own benefit or for our health going to the gym for our mind, right in a journal, things like that. Consistency is where the juice is, or especially with creative practices. Say, you know, you, you have some kind of art that you enjoy, but maybe it's hard to find time for setting yourself up with small doses of it, rather than imagining that you need to do a whole lot all at once, you know, setting the bar low in your mind about what would be a success. Instead of telling yourself, got to go to the gym for two hours, just say, I win if I show up at the gym, <laughs> you'll be more likely to show up. When we put a lot of pressure on ourselves with the idea of some big elaborate super ritual, a lot of times that actually stops us from ever starting. And it's better to do small 
and consistent and regular than it is to do occasional and over over dramatically you know excessive <laughs> you you like two hour session of writing your novel or writing it for eight hours one day, but then you don't work on it again for six months versus ten minutes a day, fifteen minutes a day. It's going to flow better with the latter, especially because what we do every day in a in a major sense is who we are choosing to be. What you do every day is who you are. It just is. Now, it, that's just what it is. That's the identity that you, that's the character you're playing. So even in small doses, that still applies. If you, in, not to beat yourself up if you don't do the thing every day, but in those regular, even small doses, you are priming your unconscious to continue the conversation the rest of the day until the next time you sit down at the canvas or the drawing pad. And what stops creativity? more than anything is the indecisiveness. I don't know what to do, but the priming of your subconscious and your imagination through opening that gate daily, even if just for a minute is what allows ideas to start to bubble up throughout the day and give you that inspiration when you are sitting down at the canvas. And when you give it a bite-sized chunk, instead of it has to be a whole lot or nothing, you probably will do more than that little chunk, but it's just about setting the bar low so that even showing up, it feels like a victory mentally that you can celebrate rather than being trapped in the cycle of not showing up and beating yourself up because the bar was too high. You couldn't carve out the time that you thought it had to be for it to be a success. So guys, you want to move our way towards a, a bit of a wrap up here. We're about two hours in. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I, I missed one or two words here and there, but I had a great, <laughs> great friend. And I apologize. I really am very sorry, guys. It felt relatively unprofessional, but that's it. I had no choice and I wasn't missing this. Well, he His gave me the heads up for the record. He gave me the heads up that, the, that, that the child would be in the room. And I was like, bring it. Let's have the sounds of life and happiness. I'm good with it. I, uh, maybe I have a closing thought since you just mentioned what you said. And we've been talking about singing and the every single instrument that has been created by our hands is limited in certain respects, whether it's range or the ability to play one note at once or whatever it is. All of these things can be broken with extended techniques, but for the most part, every instrument has some serious restrictions compared to other ones. The only one that's unrestricted is a human voice. And a big part of what happens, and this is not even mentioning that you hear it differently than someone who's standing next to you, of course, because you're resonating in your own skull your inner ear hears too, but, and you're audiating what you want to hear. And then you sing. So you're getting a mixed thing when you're doing it, but your entire skeletal system is resonating on top of all the other things that are going on, vocal cords and everything else. So when you sing, nothing could possibly be more impactful. I don't, I hope it's out of tune. I hope it's out of time. I want it to be as natural and that's perfection to me, you know? So as the title of one of my episodes in the past, you are the ultimate instrument. And I think that's uh, just awesome. I saw somebody asked about binaural beats earlier and I wasn't able to mention anything, but I think they're very healthy. They're very great. And it said good or bad. They're wonderful. They're a wonderful way to achieve, achieve extremely low frequencies, but it, it proves it's very easy to hide these things also. So I'm sure it can be used nefariously 
but overall, I think they're pretty awesome. I like to uh, do a tuning fork in each ear, you know, strike two and hold them up to both sides of my head. That's kind of like a binaural beat, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You get the difference. Whatever the difference is, that's the, that's the frequency you're actually hearing. I really enjoy the differential between most of the Selfeggio combinations, but I think the most pleasant combination on Selfeggio is the 528 and the 417 which is a 111 difference. That's mm. <laughs> part of the math. That's part of the magic of Selfeggio in general, though, is the difference, but the differential between any two of the set is always uh, something mystical, like a one, one, one. Wow. Chance say that again. Did you say, say that again? What are the two frequencies? Five to eight. And four one seven. Well, that's the heptad of the enneagram, and it has a one 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 differential. Yeah, yeah. Five two eight minus four one seven is one one one. Oh, might be able to. I might be able to play that right now. All right, Let me see if I can do it. I have them on my soundboard. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Just thumb, oh. like thumbs up if you can hear. Hold on, I gotta switch mics. That's amazing. That's so wild. Uh, that that really hits with the enneagram. I mean, that's like holy uh, crap, man. He just he just extracted uh, the a the one one one, which is like all of the that's Hermes Trismegistus essentially in my mind. It's like uh, Hermes Thoth and Quetzalcoatl. That's what the one 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 is, mm-hmm. uh, and that's fascinating that it jumps out of the heptad when you. Uh, when you play the difference, uh, is that right. going to bring it? Is that going to have something to do with the devil's tone, George, or the or the? I don't. I don't think it would relate to it discreetly. But what can be thought of in that regard is that that happens to be the exact halfway point of the twelve tone system that we use now. So it does create a, a two hemisphere thing, and um, that would. I mean, that concept. I guess two hemispheres of the binaural thing, maybe. But it's not, I don't, it's not directly related numerically. And the tritone, I think, actually is 0.666. I can potentially get it before we're done here. Wow. Man, it's so, it's so wild uh, how, uh, how much we all bring together. You know what I mean? Because right. I am not musical, so I totally need you, George, <laughs> to answer <laughs> these questions for me. It's so beautiful that we can come together with our minds. I, I can't get enough of it. I really cannot. It's like the best thing that we get to do this. It's, it's really wonderful. It is. Uh, I'll share a quick story, uh, a, a little virtual Gabe uh, realization. I'm back. It did not like me switching that setting. Oh, <laughs> I think I'm good now though. No echo. No echo. Are, we are we good? I do hear, I do hear an echo. Oh no, an echo. I think it might be, it might be you. Oh shit! You got to put on that calcification. Yo 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 yo! Oh oh! Fresh fresh Camino one on one low machine. Okay. Come up talking <laughs> to me. I mean, like, should yo. be good now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fixed. It's fixed. That's why you don't try Whoa. to do things you haven't tested on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean like untested drugs? <laughs> uh, but I have a cool soundboard. Maybe, okay, 
if you guys are all muted, maybe it won't echo. I'm probably wrong about that. No echo. Just hold on, switching it is echoing. No echo. Okay. So tell me if you can hear. Thumbs up if you can hear this. That's a three nine six. Okay, is it too loud? No. Okay, cool. I stopped it. I should let it ring out. But I'm gonna play the four one seven and the uh, five two eight together. That differential I was talking about. So start with the four one seven. Popping portals. Okay, there. Yeah, I should do that more often. <laughs> okay, yeah, you should I, be able to unmute. I switched myself back. I got I got goosebumps on my face. Interesting. It was like listening to it, and it's <laughs> it's just got all goosebumpy. It's really weird. Yeah, it hit me in the back. <laughs> of the it's all like, dude, that combination's gnarly. It's really good. It's cool, man. It's like a pure major third between A and C sharp, like really, really close to that. If anyone has an instrument that can replicate, <laughs> Meta really just similar. literally said that right before right oh, the same I, second uh, as you. Of course he uh, did, man. That man knows what's up. <laughs> That's great. My cat is immediately alerted and now rubbing <laughs> up against me, says Bria. <laughs> so, uh, I've had those, uh, t- I've had my soundboard keyed up to have Selfeggio tuning forks that I recorded forever, but I just never use it. Should do that more often. I got to point out AC. That's a, that's a electrical current type. That's a certain dark wizard that got chased out of the America States, the America States with the espionage act, right? The, the AC that praise the air conditioner. Thank God it's not hot in here. You know? <laughs> okay. The people in the chat are asking for more. Yeah, I'll do it again. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I have to mute you gentlemen. I'm gonna do another combination that I really like. Cool. Okay. I'm getting nothing, chance. Oh, still nothing. Okay. You you were you, muted. You were muted. Oh, okay. If I'm muted, it won't work. Okay. Understand. All right, here we go.
Okay. <laughs> so that was a six three nine and then a nine six three with a little eight five two on top. It sounds even better if I'm playing the actual forks myself. Hopefully it sounded all right coming through here. I have no idea. It's it's very loud for me, but it's fun. Okay, you guys should be able to talk now. Brianna says her cat is sniffing the phone and meowing at it now that I took it away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is it? (laughs) It's cool, man. How did you do that? Did you record that previously and then just played it back on your phone? I I recorded it and I have a soundboard. You see these glowing buttons next to me? So I I assigned Solfeggio tones to my soundboard. So it's a press of a button. You know how Juan has got, you know, Juan on Juan podcast has got the like, God damn, and the FBI open up and all that. And his Illuminati confirmed soundboard. My soundboard is Solfeggio. Just saying. But it's not as easy to work in. (laughs) You got to be ready for it. You hit like... uh, like a subliminally ancient pentatonic thing just now is pretty cool. Like E flat, B flat, D flat, A flat sort of found their way along a wheel of sorts. It kind of like, and then at the end with the last two that were kind of hanging out, they, that sounded just like um, the sound you would get from a phone. If you called a dead number. Oh no. If your phone, if you had a bad tone, that sounded like the old, when you pick up their phone, you had no, no signal. That was the tone you heard, like a, a major second kind of vibrating. Very, very interesting, man. Very cool. You guys want to hear the sonic slider since we're doing this? Oh, yeah. It's 93.96. It's Eileen's weighted tuning fork, which you normally can't really hear. You just use it on the body. Okay, I'm going to play it. Let me just get it switched. I have to keep switching which mic setting. Here we go. That one's real good. Super low. I, I can hardly I can hear anything. Hear anything. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I don't, don't know what to tell you. That's what oh, it sounds like when you like put, it, put it, you know, right, on your, right on your stern numbers. Yeah, you feel that sound resonate through your whole body. Get yourself a sonic slider, people. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Absolutely. worth having around. <clears throat> okay, so anyway, we're we're going to, I think we're going to wrap up. Kyle, do you have closing thoughts on the, the uh, subject matter? Um, gosh, oh, I don't, kind I don't of gotten away from it. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know. I just I just think uh, I'm just so enchanted lately with rituals as they're coming new to me from a fresh perspective. And so for for those maybe out there that that don't have kids or something like that, I, I think that's a really good source of inspiration. Is just watching watching what that is so close to nature is doing and just starting to mimic that and in a fun, playful way. I really think uh, it's, it's extremely important to me and my airy body type to have something like ritual to ground me, but also uh, knowing myself, I need, I need to be able to let go of my ego and, and seriousness that I like to hold some here sometimes and uh, just be silly and uh, a silly goose. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's the thing. That's the, the thing that I really try to bring to my rituals is, is that and uh, become more aware of that. And um, just, yeah, chewing my food in a fun way, praying with a different prayer every meal, 
uh, smudging in a different direction. I was also just thinking about smudging in general and how the other day I was smudging with, uh, there was an, uh, something that came in. I had an interaction with somebody that was just really negative in my opinion. And I started smudging the, the shop and I was like, ah, ah. and then I realized, no, I'm smudging myself. I was just like, there was something about the the moment of the, the, the smoke burning um, that would dissolve the, the ego state, you know, it like brings it like, it's like conjuring the, the dark night of the soul. And when you're in that dark night of the soul, then everything outside of it is so bright and clear again. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I guess my, I guess my perspective is just finding some, some uh, new ways, to, new, new tricks for the old dog, you know? And I also want to say thanks for inviting me to come on and comment. I had a really, a really good time hanging out with y'all. And um, it's, it's really nice to, to meet you, George. And it's always nice to chat with you guys too. So same here, my friend. It was great. Yeah, man. Kyle uh, will be back next week for our Astro Herb series. As I like to do, I actually made a big Tippecanoe Herbs purchase during the Vibrant. <laughs> Beautiful. I <laughs> uh, got a lot of good stuff, but on the list for me this time that was new that I'm excited to try is the Memory Lane, like Memory Time. I have no problem with memory, but I'm actually great with memory. But I was hoping that this tonic, this tincture could actually take me to superhuman levels of memory recall and retention. So I'm going to try that. Got more calamus. Really love the calamus upgrades that come from chewing on that. Super powerful for the voice. So if you guys out there go to Tippecanoe Herbs, it's linked in the show notes. T-I-P-P-E-C-A-N-O-E herbs.com. Whatever you buy can get a 10% discount with the interverse as the coupon code. Just interverse one word, all lowercase. Super recommend you try some stuff out. It's all really reasonably priced and wildcrafted or organic wherever possible. It's just really high quality stuff. You're supporting Kyle and his family and uh, just can't recommend that medicine enough at all. So good. So I want to, I want to tell a story before we go. Sounds good. And it's funny. I'm now realizing because we're talking about ritual, like we're being hyper deliberate about ritual in right now, you know, we're really getting into the nitty gritty and it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, man. So back, back when uh, I was catching wind of the nostalgia spell, um, I'm still waiting for Chris King of cups to release our show on the nostalgia spell. Chris, if you're listening, but when I got wind of the nostalgia spell, uh, you know, uh, this recoiling from the new normal. Normal is just ritual. Right? Normal is just ritual. This is the new right. These are the new rights, you know. So uh, this recoil, this natural recoil draws us back to in this infantilization uh, dynamic of wanting the old normal again. Uh, well, I allowed myself a guilty pleasure. I went back to a ritual from my old normal. And I love it. I'm so proud of myself for reaching back to something that may, that gives me my old normal back. It's literally in my hands. And it's Pandora's box. I have a tactile fetish for flipping my zip. And I absolutely can't get enough flipping my zip. This is Pandora's box. Pandora's box was a, a mechanistic device made to 
spring into life very easily. And so this gives me a little piece of my own history. You know, this becomes a place center for me to go to, to bring thoughts out and to trap them again and to just keep my own gears turning, you know, to turn, spin my own wheels as I fucking please. Uh, and that is just a, a a fun little realization I'm having as we speak of the ritual. I'm realizing I do something that is OCD and I love it. I, I can't get enough of it, uh, but it's really beautiful now that I'm studying Pandora's box, which is the Hydra constellation, which is the Crator constellation, which is passing by right now in the calendar. We're going right through Virgo. We're going right through Hydra. And I'm learning all kinds of things about it. Uh, but I just think it's really fun uh, in the context of this conversation that I do way more ritual than I even realize. I don't even have time to complain about the system giving me rituals that don't work. I've got something that works really well right here. Uh, so maybe that would be good advice for anybody else out there who's like, I want a piece of the old normal. You know, go find whatever little strange fetish you might have had when you were young and, and entertain it for a while. You might need it. Yo-yos. Yeah, yeah. Walk the dog. That's right. You know, give yourself, uh, you know, uh, maybe quell your Marcus Aurelius. Allow a childlike fixation to come through, but keep it in a controlled setting. Keep a safe space for it. Keep it appropriate. Uh and so maybe that helps with the OCD questions. You know, somebody might want to get into Zippo dancing. Gabriel also has a ritual of walking his dog and sending me his crazy thoughts and whatever is going through his head that day. Crazy thoughts. You want me to share that one? The Tavistock? <laughs> Tavistock is a stove tick. Stove tick is gaslighting. Tavistock is the grand boofoo of gaslighting. And what sounds like a stove tick? <laughs> it sounds like a stove tick. And so all of the tabacus rituals of our elders were fueled by this sound, this auditory ritual of imbibing in a smoke. Yo, man, you got a smoke? You got a camel? You got camels? No, nah, I'm menthols. No, nah, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. You got a light? You got a light? Yeah, I got a light. So this sound is actually the sound of ritual from all of our ancestors. This sound, it does carry the weight of Tavistock, but I got those motherfuckers pinned down. I know the meaning of this sound on a deep, deep level. So praise the Lord. <laughs> Dude, lighters awesome. do go way back, too. They're older than matches. You'd think that matches come first, but lighters predate matches by a long stretch. As a technology. And I got to so, point out, it's the Zippo, which is, uh, I got a lot of Z's coming through in my life lately, and it's not sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this episode is a good opportunity to demonstrate a closing the ritual type of situation as we finish up here. What I like to do is, you know, open sacred space at the beginning of a ritual. And so assuming we've already opened the sacred space and entered that to have this very synchronistic and fun conversation. Now we are intentionally closing sacred space by acknowledging any of the energies that may have passed between us, between the audience to us and back and forth that all people's energies return to their owner 
in a harmonized way without any need or concern of holding on to other people's energies or vibes. <laughs> in the closing of sacred space, we also invite any stagnant life force to return to the earth for rejuvenation and restoration back to us at an appropriate moment. As of the time of me saying this, clapping my hands, we're letting go of any stagnant chi through our feet, through our tailbone, through our mind, to the womb of all creation that is able to bring that back to us in an unconditioned and pure way. And so we can experience closure in this moment and know there's nothing left undone or unsaid about this vibrant. We can move forward into what's next for us until we all gather again. Love you all very much. Thanks for being here, audience. You guys make it what it is. So much fun. And gentlemen, till next time. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Big love, everybody. Cheers, y'all.